This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by Pre-America Industries. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 76. Today's guest is the inspiration for Kramer. Kenny Kramer. Thanks for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty. Follow the Instagram channel at This Thirsty. YouTube channel. Enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Episode 76. Kenny Kramer. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans This is episode 76. Today's guest. We're excited to talk to him. He is the inspiration for Kramer. Please welcome Kenny Kramer. Thanks, Kenny, for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Right. A lot of people. Yeah, Kenny, this is a real treat for us. So take us back and you tell me the year. So when you... I know you you were living in uh, in Hell's Kitchen, you're raising your daughter, and then all of a sudden your neighbor happens to be Larry David. What what year was that? And tell us a little bit of how you, you first met Larry. I first I met Larry. Um I first met Larry, I guess, in the late 70s. We just ran into each other and catcherizing stuff. I was like working a lot as a stand-up doing colleges, theaters, corporate stuff. And uh, Larry was a struggling comic, you know. <laughs> and he was kind of a he was a tough case anyway um this building opened up in new york a federally subsidized building for performing artists and i moved in there larry moved in there and uh the, the, the building was all singers dancers musicians entertainers it was really quite an experiment you know it's called manhattan plaza in fact there's a documentary about it called uh, the miracle on 42nd street Anyway, when the building was opened, it became occupied 100% within the first three months. And the management thought it would be a good idea to like have a talent show utilizing the talent of these entertainers that live in the building. And they asked me if I would emcee it. I was happy to do it. And then they asked if I would help produce it and coordinate the acts. So I said, sure, why not? So they sent me a list of comedians that are in the building. Everybody I called up, I'd explain to them the building's putting on this show. How'd you feel about doing 10 minutes of material in front of your neighbors? And everybody I pitched this to were going, yeah, sure, I'll do that. You know, And it was a gig they were going to pay us, too. So Larry says, so everybody's thrilled to be a part of it until I got to Larry David, who I really didn't know. It was a name on a paper. I called him up. Well, Larry David, Kenny Kramer. Listen, I'm a fellow comedian. The building is putting on this uh, cabaret night. How would you feel about doing 10 minutes of material in front of your neighbors for $100? I don't think so. <laughs> well, why not? Well, I don't think my act would be appropriate. So what do you mean? Well, I, I just I don't have a good feeling about doing this. So I said, look, I don't know what your problem is, but uh, you're afraid your act's not appropriate? I'll tell you what. I'm going to come and watch one of your sets, and I'll tell you if it's appropriate or not. Mm -hmm. I go to the improv, which is around the corner from where we're living, and uh, 
Larry goes on, and like his act in those days was like hit and miss. He could either like just destroy a room, or on the other hand, vacuum the laughter out of that room for the rest of the night. You know, it was hit and miss. It was stand up Russian roulette with Larry. Anyway, the night I saw him, he was fabulous. He blew the place apart. He was definitely the hit of the night. And afterward, I had a little get together for some of the acts that performed in the show. And I said, Hey, Larry, why were you so reluctant to do your act, you know, in front of the audience? He says, Well, I was afraid if the management saw my act, they might kick me out of the building thinking I'm not that good a comedian. <laughs> anyway, the next day, he shows up at my door, wanted to come, wanted to get some lunch, and we started hanging out. We became great friends. Incredible. And that's, that's how I mean, you know, we lived like a, on a fourth floor, two apartments facing each other, just like it looks on a sign, right across the hall from each other. In 1989, Jerry approaches Larry about, hey, NBC's interested in me having a show. Would you help me with this? And they went for a walk and, you know, they talked right. about it. They came up with the idea of this show that would be two comedians' lives walking around the city just commenting on shit. And they made the... They, that was in 89, 1990, I think it was. They aired the pilot for the first time. Right. And a couple of years later, they put on, they made four test episodes. After, mm -hmm. they, after they the original pilot, they figured, well, let's give it a shot. And they made four, they ordered four episodes. This is the lowest mm -hmm. order you could have television sitcoms. You know, usually you get 13 weeks. They right. go up gave them. So, Kenny, so so the, those first four episodes you talked about, right, the pilot, right, they used uh, Kessler as, as Kramer's name, right? And and the story goes that if you, you know, if we used, if if Larry used your name, uh, you know, you would you would kind of cause a ruckus, if you will. Uh, take us through that. How, how did, did, did they approach you to say, like, we want to use Kramer? Uh, you know, Kessler doesn't play very well. Like, how did that come about, that, that discussion? And, and what was the negotiation like there for you? Larry comes into my house and says, uh, Kramer, uh, I'm going to write this pilot with Seinfeld. I want to raise a character on you and call him Kramer, okay? I said, it's okay as long as I get to play Kramer. He says, you can't be Kramer. I said, what do you mean I can't be Kramer? I am Kramer. He says, <laughs> they're going to want an actor in L.A. who's got all kinds of television credits. And you have no chance, and I have no input at all. I'm just a writer on this thing. He says, so forget about playing Kramer. So I said, okay. Do what you have to do. Good luck. And so they went ahead and they filmed those four episodes. The first one was in Kessler was, was the right. name of it. Because, um, you know, they couldn't use, they were using stories from my life and they couldn't use so, my so life which, stories. I wasn't uh, figure at the point. They would have to compensate me. And they, you know, they offered, they offered me a hundred dollars for the, the rights to my character and my stories in perpetuity. And I said, that's not going to fly. <laughs> I'm signing <laughs> away my dollars. So give me a thousand dollars. You're a big shot student. Okay. Thousand. No thrill to give me a thousand dollars. So, uh, anyway, when it came time for, uh, this thing to go on the air, they needed, they had to have paper with me. I consented to these things put on television. And that was pretty much, you know, the show took off. It became the biggest thing in the world. Kramer became the most beloved next-door neighbor in the history of television. And, uh, and while that was happening, I became the most beloved next-door neighbor in the history of my apartment house. Right. So 
anyway, the, the show blossomed and took over. And after about the first three or four seasons, you know, this show is really rocking and rolling. And I figured, you know, I should cash in on this somehow. If I don't cash in on this, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I came up with this concept of having a sign called reality check. And as I was thinking about that, I was looking at my window and a gray line sightseeing bus passed. Uh, wait a second, a tour, a sightseeing, a frame of reality tour where I would tell all the stories behind the stories. And anyway, I ended up renting a theater and a bus and a friend of mine, Bobby Allen Brooks, helped me with the script. And we put the thing on and, and then I got really lucky. I had, John Tierney at the New York Times did a story about there's a real Kramer and he's starting his bus tour for Seinfeld fans. And once that hit the papers and it hit worldwide, because Seinfeld at this point is an international television show. So they have right. the Associated Press and all these agencies that do, a, do, do media have what they call the international split. So the story about there's a real Kramer, he's starting it went international. And from that day, January 18th, 1996, my life was never the same. I was, the next day, you see, television is driven by print media. And that story was in every newsroom in the country and in the world, you know, and I was getting phone calls by the thousands, you know, it was wild. And the tour started and it sold out in two minutes and then we extended it and lasted 25 years. This would wow. have been, we didn't have the pandemic. I would have been celebrating my 25th anniversary and announcing that the tour is going, is going to be finished after 25 years. Mm. But then the pandemic and it blew that whole story and it blew my whole great retirement. And, <laughs> and so, wow. but, you know. so Kenny, um, actually quick question. I'm assuming you go by Kramer and not Kenny. Is that correct? Um, yes and no. My friends, when they're talking to me, they call me Kenny. Hey, Kenny, are you there? But when they talk about me, they say, you never believe what Kramer did. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have to, I mean, did you ask, not that you had to ask, but did uh, did you run the reality tour idea by uh, Larry and Jerry? No. No. Because that, it kind of. When that story hit the papers, they were the first to call and congratulate me. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. And then they stole it. <laughs> And then uh, they took the idea for Peterman. Well, yeah, were you giving out were you giving out pizza bagels? So they they they. Uh... <laughs> no, we hadn't started with that yet. And actually, the soup Nazi, uh, when they did that episode, there was a real guy, Ayagana, and we started. Uh, that was part of the tour was going to the soup. But uh, we didn't. We didn't. I did have junior mints. <laughs> <laughs> so so, <laughs> Kenny, when you um. We know that you were in the an extra in the face painter in season six of the Ranger Devils like, game, right? Were you go frame by frame? You can't miss me. Yeah, but were you on set other than that? You know, were you were you come? Like, yeah. Special guest. You know, yeah, I was curious how often you maybe were on set and things like that, as far as like being kind of you know around the 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 shooting and things like that. Invited me out. I would come out. I came out three, four times. I came out there while I was running, and I stayed at Larry's house. And I was treated, you know, because Larry's like a god to those people. I'm God's son, <laughs> so uh, they really treated me well. And I got to schmooze and hang out with Jason and 
Julia. Julia had a baby at the time, so she was most of the time in her dressing room when she was shooting. And Kramer and Michael and I got to know each other. And it turns out we had a lot in common, you know. Um, he's a single parent raising his daughter. Uh, just, so many things. Like just We had the same experiences. And so we became friendly. I didn't say we were great friends, but we became friendly. And I loved hanging out there, you know, and uh, craft services. I always had food, great food all day long, keep bringing it in. You know? and, and I watched the whole process of how Larry put that show together, you know, from the initial script to the first table read, to the rehearsals, to the stocking, to the shoot with an audience, and then after the shoot, the pickups, well, you know, somebody blows a line in the shoot, they don't bother to go back and redo it unless they have to. They just wait and do a pickup, you know, and do the line that they needed so they got it right. And, uh, you know, it was just a great learning experience to see how a sitcom is made from, like, the, from the first draft to the completed project. So and I was that, there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, that must have been amazing from your eyes, right? I mean, just the story you told earlier going back to the 80s where you were asking Larry David if he would, you know, talk in front of um, his neighbors his neighbors, and he was kind of scared and, and shy and, you know, and now he's running the, the, the number one show in America. It's unbelievable. So, but take us back. So 82 to 88, um, did Jerry, I mean, I know Jerry and him were pretty good friends, but did he ever come by? Did you ever meet him before? Uh, we were working on the, on the script. They wrote it across the hall from me. And, uh, you know, I, so Jerry and I, Jerry and I became quite friendly, especially when I was out in LA, because I would go with Larry and Jerry mm. when they went to Warner Brothers to do the mixing, um, which was an interesting part of the process. But yeah, it was 1989 was the first episode, and right. 98 was the last. So what? When we know? Okay, I do know the revenge when George quits and then goes back on Monday, right? That's a story that Larry's told when it happened at SNL, and you told him just go back, right? So what? Besides, what other stories were were taken straight out of you, like straight out of your life that you saw? You were like, that's my that's my life. Like I mean, know the revenge. What what are some uh, other ones? The reality tour, you know. The reality tour for sure. Um, like any of Kramer's ideas or any of those, like the pizza pie one or like the uh, like the, yeah. the, the hot tub inside the apartment and things like that. Well, remember, there is a hot tub in my building and I spend a lot of time. <laughs> and uh, I played golf with Larry quite a bit. We go up to Van Cortland and play golf. And uh, Larry, Larry did one very pivotal thing in my life. He turned me on to avocados. He was okay. never into avocado. avocado. <laughs> Joe's fruit stand? Did you get him at Joe's fruit stand? Absolutely. Where else would I? Joe's right down the street. So were you and banned from from Joe's? Larry was for a while. Really? <laughs> He's an inveterate fruit squeezer. And Joe said, look, you touched another piece of fruit that you don't buy, you're out of here. You're not my customer anymore. <laughs> so... <laughs> Intimidated, would never go back. Hey, Craig, when you when you pass Joe's, would you pick me up a couple of apples and an avocado? Okay, no problem. <laughs> he was in, uh, Joe intimidated him. So, so, so uh, 
you know, Kramer's such a eccentric character, but he's kind of relatable to everybody, right? I mean, you know, from someone he meets in the street to Mickey, like, were you that kind of guy? Or um, how different did Michael Richards kind of play Kramer, if you will, versus... When Michael Richards, you know, got the gig that he's going to be based on Larry's friend Kenny Kramer, who lived across the Hoffman, he didn't. He chose not to do any research. He didn't want to know. He didn't want to meet me. He didn't want to know anything about me. He wanted to create his own character from the ground up, and he felt he would just be trapped if it had to do with me. And so we didn't get to meet until the second season of the show, um, but. Uh, you know, he, he, all, all that stuff that he did that he brought to the character, that brought it to life. Like in the beginning, you know, his, his zany stuff, they would keep telling him, tone it down, tone it down, not, don't, not so big, not so big. But he didn't right. listen. He went out and did it. It got to the point that he became so popular amongst the fans that when, when they would tape the shows, they would have to go out and say, now when Michael comes out or any member of the cast comes out, don't, you know, when, if they're if they're in a scene and the first time we see Michael, he'll come out. They would applaud, so they had to advise the audience: don't applaud when you see the actors come out. It's screwing right. us up, you know, with the timing. Yeah. And so, you know, the stuff yeah. that Michael does. Excuse me. The stuff okay. that Michael does. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what's interesting is they they use that in in the season four arc of of doing the show within the show. When they were going to play Kramer, you know, Kramer says he doesn't want to meet with the uh, with the actor. Um, Larry Hankin right. played. You know, did they did they approach you at all for being the Kramer in the pilot of the show within the show to play no, that Larry no. Hankin role, or did you try to throw your hat in the ring for that? I said uh, no. It was, wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Um, we, yeah, we talked to Larry Hankin a little bit. He was on, he was on the show. We talked to him about that. And, uh, there was an in the, uh, auditions when somebody took the box of razors that was on yes. the table. Yes. Did that, when, yeah. when he sees something that strikes him as funny or unique or clever, he'll be in the middle of a conversation with him and, and he goes blank and he pulls out this little pad. He starts writing down, you know, which is a great, a great discipline for comedians. I mean, if you have a great funny thought and you don't write it down, you could lose it forever. You know? So um, anyway, Michael, like, you know, knew it was based on me, but he didn't want to meet me. He became friendly when I would go out there. But, uh, you know, those those entrances of his, like, you know, people don't realize how, how difficult and how, how hard he works at his craft. I mean, he's one of the great physical comedians like Char Charlie Chaplin or any of those physical guys. I mean, like a, a, a little tangent, little, you know, just these look like walking in the door, how he slides in, or how he comes in and throws money on the table. I'm out. <laughs> so did, um, throughout the years, I mean, you know, Larry's been known to be a, studious note taker and has a great memory but i'm just curious if he ever if he ever called you and bounced ideas off you i mean the line i always think of about kramer is you know he falls ass backwards into money and has sex mm -hmm. without dating now that's a you know so i'm just curious like 
any of that tied to you? Like, did you fall ass backwards into money and uh, have yeah, sex? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Chronic <laughs> 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 jewelry, which I which I started manufacturing and wholesaling, and like these. These electronic jewelry pieces were costing me like 70, 80 cents to manufacture, and they were selling for $15, $10, $15. So I think it's full ass back. And I've always been into sex without dating. I don't think it's necessary to date in order to have sex. <laughs> thought, from, from your mouth. But the other thing that happened, right? <laughs> that, that whole episode, ordering the Chinese hair growing time. Yes. Exactly the way it went. Exactly the way it went down. We were in Larry's house waiting for a Chinese food delivery. When Larry says, I saw this thing on television in China. They have a hair growing tonic. How, how can I find out? I go, oh, call CNN, you know, and get the segment producer. They'll tell you where to go. And he does that. And then the, but like he, he was going to do it. He picked up the phone to call. And they didn't speak any English. And just coincidentally, the Chinese delivery boy knocked on the door with our dinner. I said, wait a minute. Do you speak China? Come here. Come here. Get on the phone. And then, sure enough, he got on the phone. They ordered the stuff. It came. It smelled horrible. And uh, and then he turned that into an episode. That's incredible. Ding. Ding, yeah. That's incredible. Is it true that you you got you and Larry shared like a, a TV and a car? Is that is that accurate? It's sort of accurate. Uh, we did share a, a, a car, a little Fiat that he brought in from California, and we were, we were little partners on it. I mean, we both used it equally. I, I helped with the insurance. Now, what, what happened with the TV was Larry decided that he's spending too much time cooking for himself and cleaning and all that, and he decided that television was robbing his life. From, from <laughs> Which Kramer, yeah, that's a story. He, Kramer does that, and he Kramer well, gets rid of his TV. Larry decides that he's going to become a minimalist. <laughs> so <laughs> he ended a silver. So he only had one knife, one fork, one spoon, one tablespoon, one dinner plate, one soup dish. He and, and he goes, Kramer, I'm, I'm paring down. I'm going to get hours more of my life. I can't have the TV in my house. I watch it too much. You want the television? Yours. I can't take your television. You could miss it. He's no, no. I'm done with TV. It's just robbing my life. So now the television in my house. I'm watching this big TV in my living room, and I moved the other TV into the bedroom. And Larry's going, "Hey, Crane, you going to watch the hockey game tonight?" <laughs> I said, "I was thinking of it." He said, "Okay, can I watch it?" Yeah, go on, sit down. Hey, Crane, Yankee game's on. You watching it? No. And like our doors are always open. Right, right. We just walked. Well, like he would come into desserts. I always had a lot of dessert in the house, you know. And so uh, it came to the point where he asked to watch so much shit on television that I said, "Larry, this isn't working out. You're taking the TV back." <laughs> and the TV went back and writing episodes. He thought, oh, "That's really funny." What happened? That was an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. So just yeah, normal neighbory stuff, right? And he took that and brought it to another just level. Ordinary, you know, just like the contest, you know, that was between him and two friends. And, uh, so, Kenny, 
clearly you're you're a big fan of the show and um you're happy with the, all that's done for you obviously the 25 years almost of the reality tour what what are some of your favorite episodes um top well, five we, what do you got well you know larry and i used to think about that together like you know what are the 10 best episodes of Seinfeld? and it's hard to pick 10 because there's always what about this oh wait, wait a minute that, the only one that everybody agrees on, the number one episode of Seinfeld, an episode that belongs in the annals of television history, is the contest. Think about this. Ten years prior to the airing of that, Robin, Laurie, Petra, Petra had to sleep in separate beds. They weren't allowed to be in the same bed. And here you have the contest on NBC, mm-hmm. 9 o'clock, prime time, where the numbers make a bet. Who could go the longest without masturbating, without, without ever even using that word? I mean, that NBC allowed that to air. It was like a miracle. But, you know, funny can't be stopped. It was just so right. funny. And, you know, Larry and his he used to have a whiteboard that had all story ideas, you know. And he didn't have the contest on there because the executives would simply come in and say, what's that one about? What's that one about? Right. He didn't want anybody to know about it until until the... the uh, the uh, table read. That was the first time anyone saw the script for the contest, and it blew the place apart. The laughing hysterically. Well, what a show! What a show! NBC will never let us do that. NBC let them do it. Funny can't be stopped. That's it. If it's that funny and that powerful, you uh, can't stop it. So you mentioned, uh, yeah, I mean, fun, it's, it's, it's just incredible that you, uh, you know, the stories you're giving us, uh, you know, in the face painter, the, the season six episode where you're in the Ranger Jersey, was that, did you, did you kind of pick that episode and that scene to be the one you were in? Cause you're, you're a Ranger fan or that just uh, happened to be when they kind of put you in there. I was having to be there when they were about to shoot that scene and everybody jumping up and down the stands. And one of the writers said, Cram, come on, come with me. Let's get in the shot. And I stood next to Michael and jumped up and down with my Ranger shirt on. And I, was, uh, and, uh, I actually made it to the screen. <laughs> right. But it was just that I, yeah. When you mentioned earlier that, you know, Jerry and, and, and Larry were writing it across the hall from you, like the first, you know, the, the pilot and the first uh, episodes, what was, what was going through your mind? Were you just like, oh, these guys, you know, this is, they're not going to make it. They're just, did they seem like they, because they, they portray it in the show as if like, you know, I, I say hello, you say hi, now what? They're always taking naps and they never really get anywhere. Like, was it similar to that? Were you coming in and interrupting them with, hey, Kramer, let's go out for a yeah. Like, how did that, I'm just curious, like from your perspective back then, was it like, these guys have no idea what they're doing. It's never going to go anywhere. They, you know, they're, they're, or were they like disciplined and they actually, you know, were very like, uh, I don't know. I'm just curious how that all went down. Larry and Jerry are two very funny people, very funny in different ways <clears throat> in terms of their approach to comedy. <clears throat> but uh, I, I never thought that a network television was, was a good place for Larry to be with his sense of humor. <clears throat> I didn't think that the, I said this, Larry will be a tremendous hit if they let Larry be Larry. But I doubted it at the time they would allow Larry to be Larry. But uh, just Larry and Jerry clicked so strongly. And, and, you know, Larry, he didn't care about that job. If they didn't do it his way, he's quitting, you know, constantly. And uh, 
And Jerry backed Larry all along because he knew Larry knows some stuff, you know. Jerry had a lot of faith and confidence and dependence on Larry. Hey, Kenny, um, was always curious, just based on the show, was there, uh, obviously, you and Larry across the hall, did you have a a Newman-type friend in the building? No, not really. No. At Manhattan Plaza, no? No, I can't point to anybody that I would. Because, you know, Kramer's such a, I don't know, he's... He's a lovable guy, but he's also mysterious. I just, I'm curious if that's, if that's how you were in the, in the building. Like people didn't know a lot about you, um, yet you were everyone's friend. Yeah, no, people knew me. I, I was doing stand-up at the time. Then when I went into the jewelry business and, you know, this, I let the stand-up kind of slide because I was uh, making so much money with this jewelry. Like if an agent would call me up and offer me a job for three fifty to go out to Long Island, I'd say, no, I, I get 5000 a night now. That's, that's my price. And so two or three <laughs> phone calls like that were real business. <laughs> I was in the business of making the money later. When, when did you, who moved out of the uh, complex first, the Manhattan, the Manhattan Plaza complex first? Larry, Larry had a girlfriend and he was staying with a lot, uh, Lori Leonard who became his wife, is now his ex-wife. And she had an apartment on 86th Street. And Larry and, and she were in love, and he was staying at her house an awful lot. And he kept his apartment across the hall when he went to L.A. to do finishing up doing the first oh, wow. four episodes. And, and um, when he came back, he decided he was going to give up the apartment. He says, I feel as long as I have this apartment, I'm sort of committed I'm not not committed to this relationship, but if I give up the apartment, then I'm, I'm in all in, you know, be right. first. So he gave up the apartment, uh, and uh, and then of course he did, did four episodes, and the show got picked up for twelve, and then it got picked up for twenty-two, oh, and then it, then it was a certifiable hit show, and uh, incredible. And he never looked back. Right. So so that's true. Yeah. Then so in so in the show when they write the pilot, he gets Susan. Right when the show is about to take off, and he's all upset because now he he finally got he finally got a job where he can get a girl, but now he's got a girl. <laughs> so that was really happening to him. It sounds like he had this girl. He fell in love with her right when he writes the pilot. The pilot takes all everything takes off, and now he's married and he can't get girls because he's he's that's well, he was engaged for a while. Yeah, but he he like he was out with Laurie looking at wedding rings, and and in front of uh, Tiffany's, he said, "Look." I can't do this. And he just ran away from her. And he came to my house very distraught. I, I can't believe I just left Lori in the street and ran away from her. I can't go through with this. How can I marry her? I said, well, look, let's, let's make a list. Sit down. Here, draw a line down the middle of the paper. I want you to write everything good about her on one side. And on the other side, you know, all the negative shit that you can't live with, you know. <laughs> and like, she's, she's, she's very, Superficial and show busy. And then what's the good stuff? She's got great tits. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was, she has great tits. <laughs> he made that list. Uh, eventually he married her and uh, the show took off while he was just not getting married. So, you know, California, she had 50% of everything. So he told me. 
in his divorce, he, he had to give her a hundred million dollars. He said, but it was the best hundred million dollars I ever spent. <laughs> well, Kenny, I, I hate to rap on a story about tits, so we'll give you one more. Uh, <laughs> Let me tell you guys about something that I'm doing now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Very, very I'm, I'm in with this company. I'm partnering with a company called Cameo. Cameo's business model is they get these celebrities and they have a website called cameo.com and they hire hire these celebrities to do personal greeting cards and birthday cards and, you know, and so they go to the website. If you want to find, if you, if you, if your parents are having an anniversary and you want to surprise them with a huge sign for parents, you could have a video from the real Kramer thanking them for so many years of pleasant uh, marriage and blah 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 and you know, whatever the occasion happy birthday I had a guy who said I want you to send it he hired me to send a cameo to his friend who's in the Air Force stationed in England and very unhappy and depressed and you know could you send him a note to like, cheer him up that was the job order you know so I recreated uh, you know, hey your friend Michael's worried about you he says you're bored and you're not getting, you know, getting around having as much fun as you should be happening so i have a suggestion for you here's what you do i say get a couple of tickets to amsterdam bring a friend with you and then go to the red light district it's unbelievable you'll have so much fun there and just remember only get what you need <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so i, I spill out things and uh, people call in and they, they you know they get it online it's cameo to cameo t-a-m-e-o dot com forward slash real Kramer. And I go. could make one of friends, relatives, or a birthday greeting to a Seinfeld fan and from the real Kramer. And it's they're really funny and they're cute. So it's a unique gift, you know? Yeah. That's anyway, great. that's what I'm into. Nah, so that's, you- that, that's awesome, Kenny. I mean, you've brought so much joy to, to millions of people. I mean, uh, I know our fans are going to love connecting with you. Um, as this comes out. So just thanks so much for the time and uh, thanks for all the stories. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully there'll be a tour one day, but right now it doesn't look good. <laughs> uh, let's get one more, one more, one more tour we want at least. So anyway, good luck guys. Thank you, Kenny. This was guys- great. We really appreciate it, man. Hey, man. It's been my pleasure. All right. All the best, you Kenny. All your fans. Okay. Take care. Cheers. Have a, have a good one, man. Have a great night. Thank you.